Hey, we are here. That's right. And we are ready to go. Thank you for joining me today. Oh, yeah. New Hope Radio, the Hope Club podcast. Hey, let me remind you. You ever hear that saying, one hand washes the other? It's true, isn't it? It's hard to wash your hands when you only have one hand being used. So, the Hope Club podcast, that's one of those, or the Hope Club, that's one of those one hand washes the other things. If When you join the Hope Club, you get a devotional every day in your email box, an audio file devotional, get you started off on the right day, on the right foot. And by doing that, you're committing $3 a week to help New Hope Radio stay on the air. So if you'd like to get that devotional every day, here's what you do. Go to newhopecc.tv, click giving, click e-giving, fill in the amount, $3. Every week you fill in $3. Then you fill out the information, hit submit, and you're ready to go. Ready to go. You'll get that email in your box Monday through Friday, and we'll be here on the radio every day. And we'll also be creating podcasts for the Hope Club podcast. So people can listen to these programs later on as well. So thank you for joining me today and being part of the program. Got a good topic today. Oh, this is the one we've been waiting for. I'll tell you what. We've been looking at some of the promises that Jesus made. He made a lot of good promises. Some to his disciples. Some to people that, oh, you know, they were not his disciples. But the ones that we looked at in the series, he, he made the promise of salvation the promise of rest, the promise of life. He even promised that there'd be troubles in this world. He promised rewards to the faithful. He did. He also promised what we're going to talk about today. He promised, I forgot to do this over here on Facebook. He promised his return. Oh, he promised that he's coming back. You know, that's the one that we're waiting for, isn't it? He's coming back. Jesus is coming back. You know, when you know that the Lord is coming back, it gives you something to look forward to, doesn't it? How, how do you go through life with nothing to look forward to? That's pretty difficult. It makes life difficult. But when you've got something to look forward to, oh, it changes everything. And we as believers, we're looking forward to the return of the Lord. And we know that this promise is of vital importance because, you know, Jesus spoke of it many times. So we're not only going to look at what Jesus said about his return, but also the apostles made some pretty important comments for our benefit regarding the return of Christ. So let's take a look at some of them today. Number one, we're going to take a look at the time of his coming. When's Jesus coming back? People have been speculating and setting dates for the return of Christ for hundreds of years. And even today, you know, every once in a while, somebody comes on the scene, I know when Jesus is coming back. Well, what did Jesus say? One day while Jesus was teaching his disciples, they came up to him and one of them said, Tell us, Lord, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And then Jesus t- 
told him about the great tribulation that would come first. And he described the events of that terrible time. And then he talked about the fig tree budding, which many believe to be the reformation of the nation of Israel in 1945. Wow. He was looking ahead. (laughs) We're looking back. 1945. Wasn't that many years ago, was it? So concerning his return, he said in Matthew 24, verse 36, of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven. I don't even know. But the Father alone. Only the Father knows when I'm coming back. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. So Jesus doesn't give us a time of his return, but he does tell us what life will be like on the earth when he does. And then he said, for in those days before the flood, oh, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. They did not understand. Oh, there's the key. They did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. And so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Wow. That's sobering, isn't it? I would think so. I would think that is a sobering statement. They did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. It was too late. Now let me ask you, how many of you that are listening have ever been to a wedding? Good. How many have ever been married? Good. Now, these are the circumstances in which Jesus will return. You know, people are living life, not expecting his return. You know, marriage is a funny thing. When people go to a restaurant and they like it, they just keep on going back. If they don't like it, they don't go back. When people get married and they don't like it, they keep going back. (laughs) Why do they do that? I don't know. So when Jesus returns, people will be busy with life. He will come when they least expect it. That's when he's coming. I'm going to tell you when Jesus is coming back in the second coming. When people least expect it. That's when. Secondly, what are the expectations at the second coming. Well, Jesus told the parable of the ten virgins, wanting people to be ready. You got to be ready. Matthew 25, 1, the kingdom of heaven will be comparable to ten virgins. In other words, bridesmaids. They're in the wedding party. They took their lamps and they went out to meet the bridegroom. Now, when they announced the bridegroom was coming, five of the bridesmaids had oil for their lamps. Five did not. Why is that? Because they waited all night. See, in those days, people got married at night. So they trimmed their lamps and, and, and they were waiting. And they waited for the bridegroom to call them. At midnight, they heard the call. He's coming. But five with oil, they went out to meet the bridegroom, the bridegroom, and they went to the wedding. But there were five. They didn't fill their lamps and they said, give us some of your oil. They said, no, man, we can't do that. You've got to go to the store and buy your own. So they went to the store and bought oil. By the time they came back, it was too late to get into the wedding. The doors were locked. 
Two things we learn here. Number one, everyone has to have their own oil. Oil symbolizes the Holy Spirit. You're going to have the Holy Spirit if you're going to be with the bridegroom, the Lord Jesus. And secondly, there will come a time when it will be too late. You know, when Christ returns, that's it. That's it. There's no getting saved. So here's the key. Be ready. Be ready. You've got to be ready for anything. And you've got to be ready for the return of Christ. So the question, do I, am I ready? How do I know? Do I have the Holy Spirit? Do I have the indwelling Spirit that seals me and mocks me out as belonging to God? That's how you know. Thirdly, after Jesus returns, life will be very different. Oh, yeah. Looking forward to this. The heavenly city, right? You know what that is. The new Jerusalem. It's coming down. It's going to descend upon the earth. The heavenly city, the new Jerusalem, is going to be the home of the bride of Christ. Yeah, it's where church-age believers are going to live with Jesus during the millennial kingdom. Let me tell you what it's going to be like. Are you ready? He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will no longer be any death, any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. Wow. He who sits on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. And he said to John, Write this down, John, because these words that I'm speaking, they're faithful and true. So we know it's going to be an incredible time when Jesus returns. Incredible for the believer, right? So you might ask the question, okay, why the delay in his coming? Did you ever say, God, what's taking you so long? Where are you? Why aren't you coming? Did you ever say that? Well, Peter can tell you why, 2 Peter 3, 9. Because the Lord is not slow about his promise. As some count slowness. In other words, you know, we think he's dragging his feet, but he knows he's not. We think he's taking too much time, but no, he knows he's not. And why isn't he? He's patient toward you, not wishing for any, wow, any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. See, the Lord doesn't want to save some. He doesn't want to save most. He wants to save all. Now, we know all won't come to repentance, but man, he's given them the opportunity no one can say, I never had a chance. He's patient. Not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance, to change their mind 
about who he is. See, Jesus is giving time for people to receive him. But Peter said, "Uh uh-oh, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. You know, a thief comes unannounced, right? It's a surprise. It's unexpected. That's why you might have an alarm system on your home. You might have ring, right? The doorbell ring. So when the thief comes, it's not a surprise. But when Jesus comes, it's going to be a surprise. It's going to come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away. How are they going to pass away? With a roar. Wow. It's going to be, it's going to be like, there's going to be a lot of fear. And the elements will be destroyed with intense heat. And the earth and its works will be burned up. Wow. Man. You know, when the Lord enters, it's going to be like, man, he's cleaning house. He's, he's going to make things really new. He's going to burn up the old and bring in the new. That's why you want to have your oil. You want to be ready. Point of this message today, you want to be ready. You don't want to be unready, if that's such a word. You want to be ready. So you know what we need? People need, number five, an attitude adjustment. You know that? There are people that need an attitude adjustment. Why? Since all these things are to be destroyed, in this way, Peter said, what sort of people ought you to be? And holy conduct and godliness. You know, when you're expecting the Lord to return, you should live in such a way that shows that you're expecting Him. And he said, looking for and hastening, in other words, waiting eagerly, the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. You know, it's like, did you ever have company coming over and you're expecting company? And what did you do? Oh, you probably cleaned the house, put the junk away, threw it all in the closet, dusted the furniture. You got ready. You made the house ready. So when company came, they didn't see how you really live. <laughs> you know, you want to be a little more presentable. So Peter's saying, when you're expecting the return of the Lord, you want to make yourself presentable. I know for me, if, if, if the Lord were to call me up, and we're talking about the second coming, but for us, for the church, it's going to be the rapture. You know, I'd rather be in church when the rapture comes than at Foxwoods Casino. By the way, a place I've never been. I don't want to go through the roof of a casino on my way to heaven. I want to go through the roof of my church on the way to heaven. You see? You know what I'm talking about? I want to be ready. I want to live ready. I want to be prepared. The Boy Scout motto, be prepared. Right? Now, so we should be eagerly waiting for the return of the Lord. Think of the things that you eagerly wait for. I remember as a kid, we used to eagerly wait for the ice cream man. Oh, yeah. We knew he was coming at a certain time. I think it was like 4, 4.30. You could hear the bell. Ding, ding. Ding, ding. He's coming. He had a pickup truck with a big cooler on the back. And we'd all be gathering on the corner, about 10 kids. 
and he'd get out of the truck and come around and open the big cooler. And we would buy our ice creams for like five cents. Ice cream sandwich. There was one called a Cheerio. A Cheerio was like vanilla ice cream on a popsicle stick, chocolate covered. That was a Cheerio. Then there was a, a drumstick, a Nutty Buddy, right? The ice cream cone with the little nuts on top. Then there was a sidewalk. A sidewalk was like vanilla ice cream on a popsicle stick, and it had like strawberry and nut sprinkles on it, kind of orange looking. Oh, and don't forget the fudgicle and the creamsicle. Oh, man, he was worth waiting for. Let me tell you, five cents. Shows you how long ago I lived. I lived right after the Neanderthal man faded away. Okay, so we'd wait for the ice cream man. When you were in school, you waited for the end of school because summer was coming. I remember going to parks and you'd wait for a half hour with anticipation for a roller coaster ride. You'd stand there for a half hour. That's okay. You wait a half hour for a three-minute ride. There are those of you that wait for a baby. Some of you wait for a paycheck. You work all week long waiting for the paycheck. See, you eagerly wait for these things. So we eagerly wait for the return of Christ. So again, I'm talking for the church, we're waiting for the rapture, which is not really the return. We're waiting to go up. But after the tribulation, there's the return of Christ, and people in the tribulation, they're waiting for the return of Jesus. Okay, so theologically, there's a difference in the two. Number six, while we're waiting, do we become our brother's keeper? Well, the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 24 says, Let us consider how to stimulate one another. By the way, the word stimulate, it means provoke. You know what provoke means? Prod with a sharp stick. Provoke one another to love and good deeds. You know, you see your brother or sister in Christ and they're slipping away and getting carnal, maybe a little worldly. You provoke them. Hey, get back with God. Not forsaking our own assembling together, as the habit of some is, but encouraging one another. And all the more, as you see the day drawing near. So yes, I am my brother's keeper. And if you find yourself falling away and somebody comes along to provoke you and stimulate you back to God, that's a friend. That's good. Because they care about you. Finally, the last point I have for you, who can benefit from Christ's return? Who can benefit? Well, you know, in John chapter 6, verse 44, Jesus, he, he kind of talked about this a little bit. And he said, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. Now think about that statement. We know that animals, children, adults, they're drawn by what they desire, right? Sheep desire hay or grass. So they're drawn by that. Children, they're drawn by candy or ice cream. That entices them and it draws them. Adults, <laughs> They're drawn just about by anything. 
Anything at all will draw adults. So how does God draw people? I mean, Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the Father draws them. So how does God draw people? You know how? He uses, oh, here it comes, good news. What's good news? It's the gospel. The gospel is good news. The message of Jesus Christ's sacrifice for the sins of the world. Now, here it is. If you have the desire to be forgiven and accepted by God, you will respond. But if you don't have that desire, you're going to remain lost because we're drawn by what we desire. So maybe this answers the question, why are some people saved and others not? It's not because God hasn't drawn the ones that are not. It's because their desire is not for, God, for what God is using to draw them. Their desire is not for the good news. It's not for forgiveness. It's not for acceptance. They don't care. It's like you can't draw a sheep with, I don't know, rocks. They have no appetite for rocks. You're not going to draw children with Brussels sprouts. I don't think many of them have appetite for Brussels sprouts. I'll tell you what, I don't. I don't like them. Not going to draw me with them. So there are people that don't have an appetite for what God is using to draw them. Oh, but they do have an appetite for what Satan is using to draw them. They have an appetite for materialism. They have an appetite for fleshly pleasure. How about this? They have an appetite for not facing, oh, I like this one, coming to me fresh right now, for not facing reality. Because I think that's a big part of why people don't come to Christ. They don't want to face reality. They don't want to face the reality of their sin, the reality of eternity. They think they go on the ground and that's it. It's over. That's it. I'm going to live my life. I'm going to die. I'll have a funeral. Some people will say nice things about me and I'm gone and it's over and that's it. That is not reality. Reality is we've been given the breath of God. And with the breath of God, the soul lives forever. And the soul has to live somewhere. It's going to be either with God or banished from God. But it will live forever. But that's a reality that people don't want to face. Why? People live in denial of the truth. There are people that are, they, they have diseases and they live in denial of that disease. They live in denial of the fact that, hey, they could get lung cancer from smoking. Or they could get sexually transmitted diseases from an immoral lifestyle. They, they, they live in denial of the very things that could kill them. And so it is with the good news of Christ. They live in denial. And yet, it's a good message. The message is God is saying, I want you, I love you. 
Accept my son as your savior, and I'm bringing you in. I'm like, well, that's a good deal. Why wouldn't I want that? If God is inviting me into a relationship with him, and I can spend eternity with him, why would I like say no to that? I don't know. But many people do. As a matter of fact, <laughs> most people do. That's the mystery of iniquity. That's the mystery. Why most people reject the offer of God. I can't figure it out. I got good friends that I love and I try witnessing to them and they're like, duh. <laughs> one doesn't want to hear it and one listens, but it's like talking to a wall. It's just not penetrating. Why? No desire. That's the key. If any man is willing, Jesus said, he'll know the truth. You got to be willing. So we have to check our desires. What is it that you desire? If you desire what God is offering, man, you're in. But if that's not your desire, guess what? You're out. You're out. And you're out forever. Because once Jesus returns a second time, that it's too late. He's not coming back to save. He's coming back to judge. That's why he's coming back. The second coming of Christ is the coming of of judgment. The first coming was a coming for the sacrifice of sins. The second coming is a com- is a coming of judgment. And that's why right now we're living in the church age. Now is the time to accept the good news gospel, the message of salvation, the message of forgiveness. Now is the time to accept that which God is offering. There's no better time than right now. Every person needs to ask himself, what do I really desire? What do I really want? If it's your desire that you can find eternal life in Christ, God will give it to you. Remember Jesus said, the last book of the Bible, Revelation, behold, I'm coming quickly. Oh, my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. He's coming. And he's coming quick boom without notice so jesus is putting us on notice that he's coming without notice wow let's think about that for a little while as i say goodbye thank you for listening to new hope radio today don't forget the hope club podcast find us on demand anytime